Five Stones Church thanks you for listening to this message from Pastor Ryan Smith. For more information, events, and the latest news, consider connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Together, we can awaken a generation. All right. Well, thank you for being at Midweek tonight. We're glad to have you. It's the best night. I'll tell you, it's the best night I have in being here on Midweek. I like Midweek. It's one of my favorite times. I'll, I'll drive back, fly back, do something to get here just to be in it. Listen, reach down, grab your Bibles. Let's go back. I, I'm not done. I'm not done until you all tell me I'm done. Turn with me back to the book of Ephesians. We're going to stay in that thought pattern a little bit longer if you'll allow me. I know the series is over, but I'm still preaching it. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Turn back there with me. And uh, last week we talked to you about being able to stand. I thank you for coming up front. I appreciate that. This side did. The building's about to flip, but y'all not shower this week? What happened? I mean, that's really odd for that that rose to be. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, yeah, I'm. I knew he's living right, but that scares me. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to go back there. Anybody born again? Anybody belong as, as you know, as a property of the kingdom of God? I belong to God. I don't belong to myself. I don't belong to an organization or denomination. I belong to God. Now, because you, you and I belong to God, we obviously understand we're salt, and earth, salt in the earth and light in the earth. And obviously, anytime you're salt and light, you're going to have conflict. Anytime you stand for something that has an adversary that's trying to bring you down, you have warfare. Has anybody had warfare this week? How many would like for me to end this series? Because it seems like the, in, the warfare became more intensified since I started teaching it. Am I telling the truth? Isn't it interesting when you preach about a thing? If you preach on healing, people get healed. You preach on spiritual warfare... And everybody's like, whoa, that's wonderful. But what you don't realize is in order to prove what you've learned, you have to have a test. And the enemy will assault you, attack you, come against you. And some days it feels like it's consistent and constant, never ending. Uh-huh. How many feel like you're going to have to double knot your shoes? Because the warfare you're in right now requires that you really lace them up tight. We're living in a different hour. We understand that. We're living in a different time period as it relates to spiritual warfare, and I think you can look at the landscape of our nation and understand that. We're living in a different time period. And I know that the church wants to put its head in the sand and disappear, but we can't afford to. If there's ever been a day and an hour for the church to rise, it's now. Listen, I know you may be fatigued, I know you may be frustrated, I know you'll be dealing with life and a lot of different issues, and you may even feel overwhelmed tonight. I'm going to help you, I promise. Because I think when we look at Scripture and we begin to think about it, uh, I think so many times we look at it, but we don't really understand the relevancy of its ability to help us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to verse uh, 18 of the 6th chapter of Ephesians. Now last week I kept reading to you the word stand. Tonight I'm going to teach you how, or I'm going to do my best to teach you how. Verse 18, 
praying always. That ought to help us. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the flesh. That's not what the Word said. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Because if you deal with pressures and anxieties and fears and attacks in the flesh, it'll zap your energy. How many just find yourself wore out because of the attack? Physically tired. I'm not talking about just you making up tired feelings. I mean talking about actually feeling wore down in your flesh, and you're like, I don't understand why I'm worn out. I slept good. I had a good night's rest. But it seems like the con. am I talking to somebody yet? Because the conflict seems to be so strategically against you that you find yourself weary and you shouldn't be. Can I let you in on a secret tonight? When you find yourself exhausted and it's because of spiritual warfare, not a lack of sleep. When you're sleeping and you're getting your hours in and you still find yourself sluggish, dealing with the zapping of energy or confidence or faith, it's probably because there's an attack on your doorstep. You say, how do you know that? Because when Jezebel threatened the prophet, her attack was spiritual, and he physically found the, the, the effects of it affecting him to the point that he wanted to lay up underneath a tree and die. Now, he just prayed fire down from heaven, had God move supernaturally, and one woman's threat by the Spirit causes him to be worn out. Quiet in here. My thing tonight is simply this. There are going to be cycles, repetitive cycles of warfare. I know you thought you got out of that last one, and there's not going to be another one for a while. I don't know the duration between seasons, but I know this. They repeat themselves. Come on, somebody. You're like, well, no, Pastor. I, did, I thought once I got victory over this, I'd never have to deal with that again. You've been saved a little while. You find out these cycles are repetitive. You'll have a season where the enemy backs off. But you'll also have a season where these repetitive cycles continue to intensify with a plot and a scheme and a strategy to wear you down, to get you to turn from being salt and light. These are real battles, ladies and gentlemen. They're real battles because your adversary understands that if he can get you to move out of the posture of confidence and faith and assurance, he will get you to question the season you're in. Maybe that's why this series is continuing. And tonight's about teaching. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not feeling a whole lot of hooping and hollering right here. I want to teach you. Because if you don't know how to stand in your attack, you won't be able to exemplify victory. So if you take notes, I'd encourage you to do so tonight. If you don't, let your neighbor take notes and then take a picture with your phone so you have it. I'm just, I'm just at a place tonight, okay? I'm just at a place. Because if we don't teach you better, 
You can hoop, holler. You can have your, your Hebrew hoedowns on Sunday. You can shake your Jewish jig on Wednesday and still get yourself in a conflict that you can't win. Because some of this that you have to have in order to win this battle, it's not a shake. It's not a shimmy. It's not an anointing oil. You say, well, I just need the Lord to anoint me. And the Lord says, I need you to learn something so you can act like you're anointed. Because we have a tendency, and I'm going to offend you early, and then I'm going to give you six things to help you. <laughs> Is that fair? Because here's the thing. Can I teach a minute? Because we have a tendency to want to complain to God about our battle. We'll complain, God, is this, it's not fair to me. Apparently, I'm the only one that's ever said that. Lord, this is not fair. Why is he always picking on me? Why am I the only one going through this? Why am I the only one tormented? Why am I the only one out of peace? Why am I the only one out of joint in life? Am I the only one tempted, Lord? Am I the only one that feels like I can't make it? Boy, it's interesting how quiet it gets, Dave. I, I don't know if that's because we're trying to figure out if we just said that this week. Because often we do. And we complain as if our voice of, of being a victim is going to move him. The voice of victimization never moves the, the sovereignty of God. It may draw some people to you, but if they can't help you, you don't need them. You can get some attention. Oh, I'm going to make people mad. Because we want somebody to sympathize. We want somebody to feel our pain. We want somebody to understand how horrible the week has been or the month has been or the quarter has been or whatever it is. And we want to feel like somebody understands us. But the reality is when you speak like a victim, you draw victimized people to you who can say what you say and they do understand what you understand on a natural level, but they can't bring you out of the attack. And all they do is continue to help you to speak like you're defeated instead of speaking like you've already won. Keys to breaking the attack. Number one, the only way you can break an attack is with his authority. Capital H, his authority. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, the Bible says that he gave us all power and all authority over all the enemy. He gave us authority. He gave us power according to this book. He said, behold, I give you authority. Authority given is authority that must be used. If I give you authority, David, to do something in behalf of me, if I give you proxy and I say to David, David, I want you to do this in my place, he has my authority to do it as if I'm doing it. So he could go to court and represent me. 
How many has ever had a power of attorney? A power of attorney says that you have been given authority to act in someone else's behalf. So when the Lord says, I give you authority, he said, I am giving you proxy. I'm giving you power of authority. I'm giving you this responsibility to represent me. And I've never seen the Lord whimper and whine and complain because he was under an attack. See, when authority is understood, it empowers strength. I just said something. When authority is understood, it empowers strength. If you join the the police department in Holly Springs, Georgia, and you begin to go through the protocols of becoming an officer, you don't have the authority until they give you a badge. And when they give you a badge, they commission you with the authority of the city. And once you have that badge, you have authority which empowers your strength because now you're not running around saying citizen arrest, citizen's arrest. Now you're able because of the authority to have the strength to bring correction to what's out of order. Your authority is so that the kingdom stays in order. The enemy wants everything out of order, and the church needs to learn, I have been given authority to keep it in order. Ah, you're not here. Well, God, I need you to intervene. Lord, could you intervene for this? He said, I gave you the authority. I gave you the authority to deal with it. Why are you asking me to do something when I told you to do it? Why are you asking him to heal when he told you to lay hands on the sick? Are you here? I know it's Wednesday night. I know I'm teaching, but we can at least, let's, let's dialogue a little bit here because if he gave me the authority, then I step into it and do it. I shouldn't have to ask him to do what he commissioned me to do. Right? I shouldn't have to go and beg God to intervene because he's not going to intervene. He said, I appointed you, and I gave you authority, so rise up. If you're under attack, if you're going to pray, your prayer should be, Lord, teach me what I should learn. Show me what I do not see. Impart something into me so that I can know how to deal with it, but I should never ask God to deal with what he commissioned me to deal with. Pray in the Spirit. Why? So I know the plots. Why am I praying in the Holy Ghost? So that I can see what the enemy's doing in hiding. Why am I praying in the Spirit with supplication? So that I can see the strategies and the schemes and the plans before they're ever manifested. I'm not praying to be strong. I'm praying so I can reveal strength. You missed it. Oh, Lord, strengthen me. He said, I am your strength. Don't ask me to be something that I already am. Just look for the opportunity to demonstrate what I said you are. See, your struggles tonight are to reveal what he's already provided for you. 
that's hard to swallow, I can tell. Well, but my words, Pastor, I just, I just get more attention when I talk about my problems. He never told you one time, I've read this book. He never told you one time to talk about your problems. He told you to talk to your problems, not about them. If you're going to speak to them, you should speak to them like they're about to change. You should never speak to an attack from your adversary like it's permanent. You should never address your enemy like he has any kind of authority or dominion to remain. Never. You should never even let it come out of your mouth like it has any possibility remaining in your life. The fact that you saw it and seen it means you're going to speak to it and command it to go. I'm not here to fight from a posture of trying to win. I'm here because he already gave me victory. So I'm speaking based on the proxy or the authority of the one who gave me victory. Now, that takes a lot of confidence, doesn't it? And sometimes you've got to stand out by yourself. Because some of the folks that are in your life want you down and out because they feel better when you're down and out. Because they ain't going to fight their devils neither. Somebody preach to us. Preach to this row. Think about it. Think about what I'm saying. If he gave me authority, then I shouldn't be asking for him to do what he commissioned me to do. The reason I'm asking him to do it is because I don't want to engage in it. Because it's easier to not engage and say, Lord, can you just take care of this for me? Can you deal with this devil, Lord? Can you deal with this sickness, Lord? He said, I've already dealt with them. Have that dialogue with the Lord. See what he tells you. Lord, can you do something about this sickness? And he'll go, I gave you authority over it. Look at Luke 10. He gave me authority over everything. So I shouldn't have to ask him to deal with something he already told me to deal with. So I'm going to just speak to you plain because I don't know any other way to do it. And if it offends you, I'm sorry. But you better pull up your big boy britches. And you better look at what's going on in your life and say, Lord, I'm just about ready to lay down a whipping on that thing. I'm tired of thinking those thoughts. I'm tired of wrestling that giant. I'm tired of dealing with that demon. I'm tired of dealing with that. And I'm going to speak to it in the authority you gave me in the name that is above every other name. I command that thing to move out of my way. Pastor, what if it doesn't move? Speak again. Speak till that bad boy moves out of the way. Pastor, it's really rough. Well, this is not elementary battles anymore, ladies and gentlemen. You're not in an elementary church. 
Huh? You're not in an elementary church. You're not in a church that's going to talk about a few little things so that you feel comfortable. We want you tearing down stuff. We want you pulling down walls. We want you seeing your children and grandchildren sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost. We want to see a move of God. We want to see an awakening. And that means somebody must use their authority. Authority empowers strength. Tweet. Authority empowers strength. Because when you know you've been given authority. All right, let's go to Andy Griffith. You remember on occasions when Andy and Barney needed some help. And so he would deputize. Y'all have seen that, right? So they need some help, and so they will deputize Gomer. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? He'll get the barber to put down his scissors and put a badge on, and they all like, right? They have no confidence at all until somebody gave them authority. And the authority gave them strength to do something. When you understand your authority in Christ, you will start acting, living, and believing, and speaking like you have strength. Stop confessing weak. Why confess? I, well, I'm so weak. Well, let the weak say they're strong. Oh, wait a minute. That sounds like Bible. Right? Does that not sound like, let the weak say they're strong. Why? Because your authority empowers your strength. So when you speak to yourself, I'm on my way up and not my way down. I'm on my way to blessing, not on my way to cursing. I'm on my way to healing instead of sickness. I'm on my way to provision instead of poverty. Why? Because I'm going to speak my way into my strength. Because you got enough people speaking into your life the other way. Telling you, you can't, you won't, you never. Well, excuse me, you're going to have to talk to somebody else. I got selective hearing. I choose not to uh, participate in that confession. My confession is I've been given authority. My authority makes me strong. Ah. Anybody ever been robbed? Yep, me too. Good thing I wasn't home. Because if I'd have been home, it would have been a different scenario. Hello? If somebody is robbing your house and you're home, I suppose you're just going to say this. Y'all come on in. The jewelry's over there. Are y'all going to baptism? Okay, good, because I thought I'd offended the whole bunch of people. I had to make sure I didn't want the enemy to lie to me. Why? Y'all were thinking it. I just say it. Right? Y'all are like, what did, what, did, what did he say? They all got mad and left. They're going to baptism. That's fine. Just tell them what they missed. Well, I hope they get so good. So listen to me for this. If, if you are home and somebody's robbing your house, you're not going to say to them, come on in. The jewelry's over here. You know, that's the, the, the prize stuff's over there. That's the good stuff. You're not going to do that. 
you don't put up a fight. On a natural level, you put up a fight. Is there a man in this room that wouldn't put up a fight if there was something coming in your house that did not belong? I know there's some ladies up in here that crazy. They scratch your eyes out. I mean, how many know if there's somebody going to rob your house, you ain't fighting fair. You kicking where you ain't supposed to kick. You're punching. You fighting. Shooting. I mean, y'all be like, You're not passive, are you? Somebody try to carjack you? If they're going to carjack me, I'm going to jack you. Because you ain't taking it without a fight. You'll do it on the natural. Because you'll get all fleshly. Huh? You let somebody cut you off in traffic, you get in the flesh. I mean, you run them off the road, put them in a ditch, jump out and tell them what for, and then pray they get saved. I get it, but... I haven't done that. I'm just saying somebody probably has. I ain't done that. I ain't done that. I ain't done none of that. Now follow me. But you'd fight. You mess with my kid, I'll fight you. You mess with my woman, I'll fight you. I wasn't even married to her, and I said, you got to make up your mind. Either I'm the man or I'm not. Because if I'm the man, you're mine, and I'm yours, and we're going to fight about stuff. Y'all acting so sanctified now. I'm trying to prove a point. You fight for what's important for you. Why are you not fighting against a principality, a power, a spirit who's trying to diminish your light and your salt value in the world that needs it? You say, well, I just don't think I can handle the temptations that are coming my way. You don't want to deal with them. Because if you realize you are light and you are salt, You'd say to your temptation, I ain't got time to sin because I don't have uh, time to go there because the Lord's about to use me as a beacon of hope and help to others and I can't afford to be drugged down by my sin. But see, you're not willing to fight for that because it's not valuable to you. You'll fight for your diamond ring or your car, but you won't fight to be a salt or a light. (laughs) Is that it? See, I done got over into something, and I got myself in a mess. You've got to be willing to fight. I know some of you pretty scrappy. You don't have to testify. I just know. Some of you are a little scrappy. You need that same spirit that you had when you were scrappy in the flesh. You need to get baptized with that. We need to be a scrappy kind of church. We may not be the most delicate. Pretty good chance if I'm still around here, we're not going to be real delicate. Because I don't have time to wrestle with you and your junk and the spirit you came in with. You want to bring your spirit up in here, I'm going to kick it right in the teeth and tell it it's got to go. I don't have time to deal with it. You got something going on, we're going to deal with it. We're going to deal with it when? Now, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Why? Because we're salt. We're light. And I can't afford to have a day where I don't show light or salt. All right, let me get to number two because I'm not going to get very far. <laughs> but I got time. The Lord tarries. We'll keep teaching. Keys to breaking the attack. One, you break it with his authority. Second of all, you break it with faith. You know what I mean, break it with faith? All right, faith don't work nothing. Well, listen to this. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, 
Yeah, let's, let's go with that. He was in vanguard last night. That's why he learned that. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's part A of Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because I must, be, I must believe that he is a God who rewards those who diligently seek him. So I can't please God without faith. Right? I can't please God without faith. The problem is we don't understand what the opposite of faith is because we think the opposite of faith is fear or doubt. When really the opposite of faith is sight. Oh, there's Bible for that. Would you like to hear it? You can't live by, but by, oh, so what causes me to not operate in faith? What I see. Most of the time it's what I see that triggers the fears. Triggers the doubts, triggers the questions. See, my warfare to be in faith is often guarding what I see. Because I can't live by sight alone. I have to live by faith. I'm just taught you something. Because, see, what happens to us, especially in spiritual warfare, is we say, well, I'm going to break it with faith. But we keep looking at the natural and allowing it to dictate the arena of our faith. Because if the doctor says you're going to die with stage four, you're looking at stage four like it's unmovable. But Sunday I spoke to a woman who came in here with a stage four and she's already down to a stage two. And her mouth, she says, Sunday, I don't know what that number means, but it's going down. So I don't know what you do out there in the pew, but I can tell you what's going on down here. And what's going on down here is we're choosing to fight, not based on what we see, but what we know he said he would do. See, you can't win the battle if you're always dealing with sight. Because it's deceiving. Huh? It's deceiving. You said, no, pastor, I saw my bank account. It's got zeros. You should have seen the doctor's report. Here's what the doctor said. Since when did your, your banker and your doctor give diagnosis over God? When did you start valuing their opinion over a God who created everything without their counsel? Hello, somebody. Why do we give so much credence to flesh? Your doctor doesn't hand out toe tags. He doesn't have the authority to tell you your expiration date. Why should I even give him the room to speak? Truth of the matter is, I don't really want to know anyway. I just want to live like salt and light now. And if I go to heaven tomorrow, don't you weep for me. <laughs> don't you weep for me. Because the reality is that's the reward of living beyond sight. You say, well, the enemy told me I was going to die. And you ought to tell him, yeah, and I'm going to heaven. So what's the deal? 
you worried about? Why do we worry about death? Why do we worry about death? Death is a threshold into the promise. And in case you didn't know this, everybody's going to die without a rapture. Now, the rapture's coming, the catching away of the church, but the reality is we're not going to get out of here alive. But you know, oh, they said, I can't live. Who are they to tell you? You ought to look at them and say, look, I'm going to be more alive than I am right now. Because I'm not going to be carrying around this rotten carcass no more. I'm not going to be carrying around the headaches. I'm not going to be carrying around the heart palpitation. I'm not going to be carrying around the numbness in my arm. I'm not going to be carrying none of that. Why? Because I'm getting rid of the flesh. My spirit man is alive. Don't you tell me I died. All you're telling me is my flesh has got an expiration date, and I'll agree. But the reality is I'm never going to die. Hallelujah, never going to die. Why? Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Tell your doctor to deal with that. He'll look at you like you're crazy. Tell him, come see me. I am. I'm not going to live by sight because it nullifies faith. Well, Pastor, I just can't seem to get my my faith up. It's because of what you see. What you see is what you pursue. You got a problem with what you're receiving in life? Then you need to start painting a new picture. That's why I walk around here picturing this building full. Not because I need it full, but I desire to see people taught, trained, equipped, and empowered so that they can live a salt in life, so that we can populate heaven, so that at the end of the day, he'll say to us, the Five Stones family, well done, church. You were good and faithful to make sure people. You say, well, I just don't want to grow a big church. I'm trying to grow a big church. I'm trying to grow heaven. <laughs> he gave us all these empty seats because we could have stayed in the other buildings that were full. And we'd have been comfortable in the full buildings because we'd have felt like we would accomplish something until we get to the expanse of heaven and we'd have looked around and went, man, there's a lot more room for people. I want to take people to heaven. I want them to know Christ as Lord and Savior and Redeemer. I want to teach them this book so that they know how to live correctly and with authority and that they know how to live in faith so that they can make a greater imprint on culture. If that's asking for too much, then I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I just just want you to have to sit close to people because there ain't no more room. We took out three rows of pews so we could have some shouting room. Because we need to be able to shout and pray and do our altar stuff. We took out three rows of pews to make room for that part of it. But I have every intention of having to put chairs out there in that area to make up for the three, six, nine rows we took out up here. Why? Because faith says there's nothing impossible with God. Mark 9.23, if thou canst believe, all things are
him to her that believeth. Stop living by sight. Sight's a powerful tool of your adversary. Can I prove it before we go home? When he tempted Eve, he directed her focus to a tree. He tempted her by getting her to see what had potential. What your enemy does is he gets you to see. Once you begin to see, you have a powerful tool called your imagination. That thing is a wonderful thing if it's disciplined and controlled and horrible if it's not. Because your imagination can create and give birth to creative ingenuity. If it's out of kilter, of course, guess what it does? It speaks to your death. It speaks to your failure. It speaks to poor you. And you begin to paint pictures of how disfortunate your life is. And you walk around going, God don't love me. My family don't love me. My spouse don't love me. I don't even think my church loves me. Pastor, you don't even love me. Everybody's so mean on me, picking at me, talking about me. Ain't nobody love me. True. You get there all on your own. All he does is give an image and you just go. Quiet is good thing you wore them steel toe boots, brother. See how quiet it is. It's like I don't want to say amen because he's my vision. Why? Because the vision the enemy uses brings us right out of our faith realm. Brings us right out of the supernatural realm. Brings us right out of the possibility realm and puts us right over in the flesh. And no good thing dwells in the flesh. So he uses the imagery of the flesh to get me out of my spiritual faith and my posture of faith. And he gets me into the flesh, and my flesh sees it. And when my flesh sees it, it starts imagining things, and then my tongue follows it. Huh? Isn't that amazing? You see it, and you can't keep your mouth shut. Right? Eve sees it and goes, I want it. And she gets it and looks at her man and says, you want it too. Right? Why is it that we live in a culture right now saturated with images? Is it because New York is so intelligent to understand that we will buy something based on sight? Because it looks good to us. You know every advertisement about a hamburger is bigger than it actually is, juicier than it actually is. I'm going to tell you, some of that stuff they put in front of us, it looks absolutely wonderful. And then you go to the counter, and it's about a third of the size, dried up, and looks like it's been sitting there for four days. Y'all know it's true. What got you in the store was the power of the image. Am I right about it? It got you in there, and then you disappointed. But it knew how to move you. 
Here's what the enemy knows. He knows how to pull us based on images, based on vision, based on what we see. And he'll get us off course quick because we'll start seeing what we never thought we was going to go through. That ain't fair. Why do I feel like this? Must be something wrong with me. Man, why am I thinking these thoughts? I wasn't thinking these yesterday. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? Before long, you're having a whole dialogue because there was an image. Just like all those people getting up and going to baptism. In your mind, you saw that. Huh? You saw all that. Just like me, I saw them all get up and I went, what did I do? I didn't do anything wrong. But you know how we do. We're like, what happened? Why, why is about 15 people got up and walked out of here? So I just ask because I don't want to be suspicious because suspicion will kill you. Huh? Suspicion will get you. Why? Because if you see a thing and you don't address it, how many of that thing will rattle around in here? Y'all quiet. Is it because I'm not telling the truth? Or is it because I am? Because <laughs> I is. I is. Good. Because it'll rattle around in there, and before you know it, you don't want to pray no more, you don't want to worship no more, you don't want to read your Bible no more, you don't want to go to church no more, you don't want to be around those that do. I just want to be around people like me. I always found it interesting that people that have the same vision of life migrate to each other. I have been in church over the years and have people of a certain trying to be politically correct, which is probably not working real well at this moment. They were lesbians. And one would be on one side and the others would be on the other side and they'd find each other. Okay, y'all don't want to talk about stuff. Y'all going to deal with the tax, but you don't want to talk about stuff. Why is that? Because spirits are drawn to each other. You can find, and it's not just that, you can find two people that have struggled with alcohol or dealt with drugs or dealt with immorality or dealt with pornography or dealt with this, 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 and this, and you will find they will migrate. They're drawn to it. Your enemy is playing a game that we've not become educated in. And we go to church and we, oh, hallelujah. And then we live like we're defeated Monday through Saturday. And then we come in here and get an emotional prop. Oh, make me feel better, Lord. Help me to feel good about me, Lord. That's why the Bible said your eye gate has to be guarded. Because if you don't guard, guard what you see, it will set a course for your path. You want to see your future? I'll show you your future. Just give me a glimpse of what you're looking at. Because that's where you're headed. Because the vision that is before you is the vision you'll pursue. Okay, I done made y'all mad. I thought y'all wanted to live in victory and triumph and be happy and believe God for something. And then y'all like, oh, pastor, that's too personal. Well, lose the battle then. Come up here and cry your mascara off every Sunday. <laughs> I mean, I get it after a couple of weeks, but after a while, you're going to have to quit crying. 
I mean, somebody's got to tell you. Don't do that no more. Just, just get up. Fight for something before you get in here. We have a cold. God, man, I'm going to get in all kinds of trouble over We got all kinds of codependent church folk. Codependent. Oh, Lord, you got to help me. Oh, Lord, oh, it's been terrible. And the Lord says, why is it so terrible? Oh, I just, I just see all this terrible stuff coming on in the world. That's because you're looking at it. And then you're depressed. Don't watch it. Unplug. Disconnect. Quit being so addicted to that thing you carry around called your phone. Because some of you see everything and go, their life's better than mine. They're living the life I was supposed to live. That's where I was supposed to live. That's the car I was supposed to drive. That's my life. Honey, if it was your life, you'd be living it. If if it's not your life, get over it. Well, somebody's got to tell you. Okay? Get over it. You know? (laughs) Oh, but it's my dream. No, it's probably a nightmare. It's probably. I need to go back to Andy Griffith because if I stay where I'm at right now, I'm going to get a whole lot of people mad at me. I don't want to make enemies. I want to make you strong. I'm not your enemy. I'm a pretty straightforward guy. I'm to my own fault. If you look for coddling, I can introduce you to guys that do that. I know them. I love them. I like them. They, they serve a role. It's not my calling. No, it's not my calling. Okay? I stopped wearing gray suits a long time ago on purpose because I looked like the undertaker, and I didn't want to live like that. I, I mean, I did. Didn't I? I used to wear gray suits because they were like, you need to. I was a 30-year-old pastor at the time. I was the youngest pastor they'd ever had in this affluent church. And so I had to look like I was dead. I even, been, I even went and bought me one of them big, long Cadillacs. They hated that car. I was trying to fit the mold of the affluent. And then I'd give it away by crawling over pews trying to lay hands on people. And after a while, they were like, you are a square pig in a round hole. I said, you think? They said, yeah, you're not our kind of people. Remember that? All I wanted them was to be victorious, to be salt, to be light, to operate in their authority and to be able to be strong in what they believed in. Life's tough, y'all. Listen to me. I'm telling you the truth. I'm done. Life's tough. There's battles. There's challenges. There's difficulties. There's things that you didn't even plan for that's going to hit you tomorrow. But you better address them with authority, and you better cast down every evil imagination, everything your eye goes, you better pull that down because it will exalt itself against the will, the knowledge, the plan, the purpose of God. 
That's why I say you cannot live a life of faith and continue to look at this world. Because the enemy of faith is sight. That's a crazy word, ain't it? The enemy of faith. Y'all were like, no, the enemy of faith is fear. Not really. Love. Or the absence of love is what triggers fear. Because the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love cast out fear. So if you're absent of love, you'll live in fear. I just helped somebody. If you feel abandoned, feel victimized, broke down, it's probably because you're questioning the love of faith. Because when you don't feel loved, you operate in fear. That's why the Bible says perfect love cast out fear. It didn't say faith cast out fear. Are we? It's like this, like Vanguard right here. They're going to go poof in a minute. Because if I'm dealing with fear, I think i got to have more faith. No, I need more love. Because love gives me the assurance of who I am so that I don't question what he says about me and the way it lies. That's why the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. That's why the Bible teaches me about faith because faith is not what I see. I can't live by sight. I can't live by sight. I can't win a war based on sight. If I'm trying to win the battle that I'm in right now, I cannot allow my eyes to dictate my feelings. Your eyes dictate your feelings. If it's a gray day, rainy day, which it's not going to be, so don't worry, but it's, if, it's, if it's a gray day, a rainy day, y'all like, oh, I don't feel very good today. Well, this don't feel good. I just ain't got no energy today. What is going on? Because you're looking around at how gray it is, and it's just, right? Now, if it's sunny and bright, like it has been, y'all are, right? So happy. Washing your car. If I don't wash my car, it's going to rain. Only wash if it's going to be bright and sunny so I can drive it so it don't get dirty right away. There's value. I hope I didn't hurt you bad tonight. I said six. I only did two. Let's stand. I, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. I don't mean to. I don't mean to. I'm just I'm just been in this long enough to get to the point. I keep telling Marsha, one of these days I'm going to get old enough where I can say what I want to say and not worry about it. She said, I think you're already there. I said, I love it when I get old because when you know old people just say what they want. They don't care. I mean, they wear white socks all the way up to their kneecaps. They don't care. Oh, you got knee? Oh, oh let me do it this way. They got black socks and shorts on. And they got a mirror at the house. They don't care. Right? They just, I am what I am. Deal with it. You know, but. I, I, I want to have that kind of authenticity with you. I never want to pretend that we got it all together. I never want to be a church where we pretend we've got it all together and everybody comes in here feels inferior. I want to be the church where they go, you know what, those people are just like me. 
We're the, we're the authentic people. We're not trying to pretend we got it all together. We don't have time for your click, their click, everywhere, click, click. We ain't got time for that. I don't have time for you to try to figure out people just like you. Love people. Care about people. Be compassionate about people. Understand everybody that comes in this building week after week after week are good people going through tough times. They're not hypocrites. They're not. We're not hypocrites. Well, we might be, but not intentionally. Did I give him the hiccups again? Oh, I just make him mad. Well, at least he's honest with me. How many struggle with the first two I gave you today? Just being honest. Dealing with your place of authority and maintaining a level of faith so you can be salt and light because of what you see. That's two things right there you can work on the rest of your life. Huh? That's not a sermon. That's, that's a message for the rest of your life because the rest of your life you're going to have to deal with what you see because it's going to sabotage and attack your faith. And you're going to have to continue to remind yourself, I am an heir of a kingdom. I have been given deputized authority. I am not God's junk. I am not a floor mat. I am not a hand-me-down. I don't have a second-hand revelation. The king of glory lives in my life. So, Satan, you better deal with the right thing because I am the one. I'm not standing like I think I'm the one. I know I'm the one. I am the anointed one. I am the, the one that he came in and he's empowered me. He's anointed me. You can't second guess that. If you've, if, if you've confessed him as Lord and Savior and he lives in you and his resurrected spirit is in you, then you ought to start acting like it and stop negotiating with an adversary and speak to him with some authority and say, get behind me. In fact, if you ain't going to get behind me, I'm going to step over you and put you under my feet, and that's Bible too. Right? We need some edgy Christians. We need some men and women that lace up their boots and they begin to begin the war against, against principalities and powers and not go through the motions of it, but really war. Don't be offended by this, but we got too many flip-flop Christians wearing flip-flops to battle. Bring your Bermuda shorts and flip-flops, turn them in and get you some soldiers' boots. Get you a backbone, get you a spiritual dispensation about you that says, I am here for such a time as this. Satan, I didn't come here to negotiate with you, didn't come here to talk about it. I come to tell you, I come to possess the land that belongs to my God. I come to decree my healing. I come to declare my prosperity. I come to speak my blessing. I come to declare that this land is about to have an awakening by the power of God, and I'm going to be an agent of salt and light, and I'm not here to negotiate. I'm here to take over. Five Stones Church thanks you for listening to this message from Pastor Ryan Smith. For more information, events, and the latest news, consider connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Together, we can awaken a generation.